I believe that God speaks. Do you? I really mean it. I, I believe that God actually speaks directly to his people today. Now, I've never heard the voice of God in an audible way, a voice from the heavens, if you like, though I know some people have. But he has certainly made his presence and his will known to me. I think of the night that I came to faith. I'd known all the stories of the Bible for years, but there at that youth event, as the evangelist spoke, it was as if God pointed his finger at me and said, this is now for you. These stories are real. My love is for real. It's time for you to act. I heard God speak and I gave my life to him. I think of the day I decided to get married. Emily was not actually there. Instead, I was in my office reading an essay that she'd written on faith and suffering. And as I read her reflections on the Lord, I knew deep within my spirit that this was the girl that God wanted me to marry. He told me so, though I didn't tell Emily until after she'd accepted the proposal. (laughs) And then I think of the many sermons that I've preached. Some of them have been good, some of them not so good. But it never ceases to amaze me how God uses the words that come out of my mouth to help people in ways that I could not possibly have foreseen. Countless times people have come up to me and related how God spoke to them just in the way that they need it. And that happens despite the fact that they often choose the passage months in advance. And it often happens through the sermons that I don't think are very good. God has this habit of speaking when I'm right at the end of myself. His words take over when mine fall short. So I really believe this. That God speaks. He speaks his word just when it needs to be heard. And I really wouldn't be in ministry if I didn't believe that to be the case. Well, what about you? What about your experiences? Where and when has God spoken into your life? The reason I begin in this way is because I want us to see that the book of Jeremiah is really all about the word of God and its power to achieve what God wants it to. If you had your Bibles in front of you, just have a scan through this opening chapter. The very first line states that these are the words of Jeremiah the prophet, which very quickly in verse 2 we discover actually to be the words of the Lord. We need to get our heads around this quite quickly. God put his words into Jeremiah's mouth and then assured that those words were fulfilled. So every word of this book is a very human word spoken by a human being, recorded by a human being. But at the same time, they are God's words, inspired and communicated by his spirit. Just how notice how often the word word appears in this opening chapter. It's there in verse 1, verse 2, verse 4, verse 7, verse 9, verse 11, verse 12, verse 13. This opening chapter really sets the tone for the 51 that will follow it. Jeremiah is a book about God's 
worked. As Jeremiah spoke, it was God's word for the people of his day. And as we read it here on Isla in 2021, it is still God's word spoken to us. I wonder what God will say this evening. For eight weeks now, we've been following a series looking at the characters in the Old Testament. And we've witnessed how they all went through times of crisis and difficulty, just like we do today. But for each and every one of them, God turned up and he provided them with just what they needed, just when they needed it to see them through. And in Jeremiah's moment of real need, God turned up and gave him his word. And as we shall see, God promises to do the same for us. Before we go any further, we need to know a little bit about the context of Jeremiah's life. We need to know what was going on in the land at the time. And it can be summed up in two words, idolatry and injustice. The scene in Israel was a very dark one. The vast majority of the people had broken their covenant with the Lord. They turned aside to pagan gods and idols. And this wasn't just a momentary lapse. This was wholesale rebellion. Jeremiah is full of shocking language, the language of adultery and prostitution, to describe the way in which the people had abandoned God and gone off seeking other sources of pleasure and fulfilment. And things had got so bad, they'd even begun to engage in the abhorrent and unthinkable practice of child sacrifice as they worshipped the Canaanite gods. So idolatry was rampant. But idolatry never comes alone. Because when you take your eyes off the God who is holy and pure, who is light and love and goodness, and instead you turn to focus on dark things, your behaviour soon begins to change as well. And in Israel's case, their idolatry led them into deep injustice. As we go on in this book, we will discover that widows are being ignored, orphans are being abused, desperate immigrants are being turned away, violence is on the rise, ordinary people are being exploited in the market, the rich are becoming richer and the poor are becoming poorer. In short, the land has become utterly corrupt. And as always, it's the most vulnerable who are suffering the most. So idolatry and injustice, the twin evils that come hand in hand when people turn away from God. But God being the holy, just God that he is, was never going to stand for that. He wasn't going to let his name be trodden in the mud and he wasn't going to let his precious children be thrown in the fire. No way. It was time for action to be taken. It was time for God to speak. So it's in this context that Jeremiah suddenly finds himself called by God. The word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah and tells him that he will be a prophet, a voice piece for the divine. And the first thing we discover about this call on Jeremiah's life is extraordinary. Verse 5 tells us that before Jeremiah was even formed in the womb, God knew Jeremiah. And had set him apart 
for this task. Wow. What an incredible, incredible thought. What an incredible encouragement that must have been to Jeremiah in the later months and years. But for now, let's be honest, Jeremiah cannot even begin to get his head around that thought. We wouldn't have been able to either. So despite this extraordinary detail of God's foreplanning, Jeremiah gives a rather mundane response. Alas, sovereign Lord, he said, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. It's an excuse. We can all see that. But that's not to say that it wasn't true. Here is God turning up to a young nobody, really, and asking him to go and challenge the idolatry and the injustice that ravaged the land from top to bottom of society. Jeremiah would soon be talking to the rich and the powerful. He'd also be talking to his personal family and friends and peers. I'm sure he did feel inexperienced. I'm sure he did feel ill-equipped. I'm sure he instinctively didn't want to go through with any of this and wished God had chosen someone else. Jeremiah shrank away from his calling because he was young and he didn't have a clue what he was going to say. That excuse in verse 6, it rings with truth. But immediately we discover in verse 7 that Jeremiah's inexperience was actually completely irrelevant to God. Why? Well, for three reasons. First, God would always be with him. Second, God would rescue him whenever he came into difficulty. And third, and most important of all, God would place the words that Jeremiah needed right into his mouth. Listen again to those great verses, verses 7 to 9. The Lord said to Jeremiah, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say what I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched his mouth and said to him, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. It's a wonderful promise, isn't it? God doesn't deny that Jeremiah is going to face hardship as he speaks for God in a corrupt land. He will need rescuing at times. God doesn't hide that reality from him. But God will be present with Jeremiah. And God will guide him in such a way that his frail human words really will become God's word for that occasion in the land. In those verses, we also got a clear indication of what God's word would do. As Jeremiah speaks for the Lord, it will bring both judgment and hope. God's word will uproot and tear down, it will destroy and overthrow, but then it will also build and plant. 
Preparing this sermon this week, I could not help but think of the likes of David Attenborough and Greta Thunberg. I know neither are Christian, but they're a form of prophet to the modern age. And for months now, they've been speaking out hard truths to whoever will listen. Challenging the use of plastic, the greed of human consumerism, and the laziness that leads us to burn far more fossil fuels than we need to. They've been trying to uproot ingrained patterns of human behaviour. They've been trying to tear down the falsehood that human beings can just keep on acting however they like. They've been trying to destroy our reliance on coal and gas and overthrow the monopolies of big oil companies. David Attenborough and Greta Thunberg have been speaking of coming destruction and demanded that the most powerful people in the world act. And the promise, of course, is that if we listen, we'll be able to rebuild those damaged ecosystems and replant the forests that have been lost. There is still hope for a better future if action is taken now. As I said, David Attenborough and Greta Thunberg are not people of faith, and there may be things about them that you don't personally like very much. But they do help us to understand this passage. Jeremiah's words are going to be so strong, they will seek to tear down much of what his audience believes. He will attack the idol worship. He will seek to destroy the child sacrifices. He will challenge and condemn all those who are corrupt in the land. For only once that has happened, will there be any chance for the people and the nation to be built up once more. Hope does come, but it comes after the necessary judgment on injustice. But Jeremiah holds no political office from which to utter these words. And as we quickly discover as we go on to read the rest of the book, his words are widely ignored by a large section of Israelite society. But that doesn't mean that Jeremiah is doomed to failure. Far from it. Jeremiah's ministry will be a success. Why? Ultimately because his words will be God's words. As Jeremiah will speak, God will speak. And God's words never come back empty. God's words will achieve what God wants them to. Jeremiah will announce that Israel will be judged if they don't change their ways. Israel will ignore him and judgment will come. Soon Israel will be in Babylonian exile. That's where the book is going. But Jeremiah will also announce hope. A rebirth of the nation if they repent and turn back to the Lord. And that will happen too. And in the most incredible of ways. Many of Jeremiah's prophecies actually come to fulfillment in the arrival of Jesus. What I really want us to take away from this is that Jeremiah was called to speak out for the Lord into a very difficult situation. He was called to challenge the injustice of the day and direct people's attention to God. Jeremiah felt hugely under-equipped for that task, but that was irrelevant because God was going to give him the words to speak. And God's words are full of power. God will see to it that judgment comes and he will see to it that hope follows. 
of that Jeremiah can be assured. This account of Jeremiah's calling finishes in verses 11 to 19 with two oracles, two pictures, if you like, that further confirm Jeremiah's role and offer him some assurance. The first picture is an almond tree, and this works by a play on words. In Hebrew, the word for almond tree is saket, and the word for watch is socket. There's only one letter difference. So whenever Jeremiah sees an almond tree, he can be reminded that God is watching him. Now, yes, that means that Jeremiah is going to need to be obedient. He's been called to speak and he's going to need to speak even when it's difficult to do so. But the wonderful promise behind this is that God is there present and he remains responsible for what his words will achieve. God will oversee it, that his words are fulfilled. And the second picture is of an overturned boiling pot. And it speaks of the judgment that is coming Jerusalem's way because of the people's disobedience. And at the same time, it reminds Jeremiah that he's going to go through some great hardship as he challenges the injustice in the land. The powerful people are not going to like this very much. But God promises Jeremiah again that he will be there. And he will rescue him. In the days ahead, Jeremiah isn't going to be immune from human suffering and backlash. He's going to come across times of great doubt. Jeremiah will be known as the weeping prophet. But Jeremiah's security will not reside in his own cleverness or physical stamina. But the fact that God is with him. And with those great promises confirmed, Jeremiah's call finishes and he responds. He obediently goes and starts speaking the words that God has given him to say. So what are we today to make of this chapter? How are we to apply it to our lives here on Isla today? I want us to really believe, and I mean really believe, that God still speaks. That he still speaks today. And maybe he wants to use us to do it. Of course, Jeremiah's call was unique to him and his time. We're not called to be prophets in the same way. We're not going to be going around challenging child sacrifice. But God does still want us to speak his truth into the world. He wants us to challenge injustice when we see it. That does include raising our voice on the topic of climate change, which is devastating the poor and much animal life. It also includes speaking out about the injustices in our local community as we encounter them on a daily basis. God wants us to speak out words of hope. He wants us to share the gospel and speak of Jesus. None of us find these things easy to do. And let's be honest, speaking out about God can often invite ridicule and hardship. And because of that, many of us feel as though we're too inexperienced or just don't have the right words to say, I'm not a good speaker, God. But God makes the same three promises to us that he made to Jeremiah. He promises to be with us 
Remember what Jesus said when he gave his great commission, go into the world and make disciples and I will be with you to the very end of the age. God promises to rescue us. We know that our salvation and our place in glory is guaranteed in Christ. And God does promise to give us the words to say. The New Testament speaks of how he placed his Holy Spirit in our hearts to guide and empower us when those opportunities come to speak for him. Now that's not an excuse not to get to know our Bibles. We need to do that. That's where we get the instruction to speak. But if we pray and we ask for God's help, he will bring it when we need to speak out for him. God said to Jeremiah in verse 17, get yourself ready. Stand up and say whatever I command you. Maybe he's saying the same to us today. To be his voice pieces in our workplaces and our social clubs and the local neighborhood. Judging injustice and offering the hope of the gospel. Let's pray together.